Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another episode of Crushing Cashflow. With me today is Russ Morgan. Russ is the co-founder and partner at Wealth Without Wall Street, an online community that seeks to re-educate business owners and families on how money truly works. Wall Street is not just a street in New York City that puts Americans' money at risk, but it's also a commonly taught mindset. We're going to get into that in a minute. Welcome to the show, Russ. Thanks for joining us. Andrew, grateful to be here. Excellent, excellent. So let's talk about your community first. What does that mean? Is it a forum? Is it a mastermind? Is it all the above? Uh, What is Wealth Without Wall Street? Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a lot of that, right? So one, it's a movement, right? It's a group of people who are interested in becoming financially free and getting there faster without having to wait till they're 65, without not having to invest in things that they don't like, understand, or trust, and without having to pay off all their debt. And our objective is to build community, to show people who really want to be there, how to get there. And we do run masterminds. We have a passive income mastermind. We have another mastermind called the Inner Circle. And then we have just a big community of almost 7,000 people that runs on our own private app that we use to continue to feed those who are hungry for financial knowledge and financial education. Is there a general theme around asset class? Uh, Is it real estate? Is it the mixed products? Or is it just generating passive income and and getting on that? Yeah, we declare financial freedom is passive income greater than monthly expenses. We're kind of agnostic to the approach and, you know, that we feel like the biggest obstacle people have is lack of access to cash. So that was kind of how, Andrew, how we got into this space. Okay. Um, My business partner and I were kind of experts in a concept called the infinite banking concept, where we were stacking cash personally, we're showing our clients how to do it. And then through the podcasting channel, we started getting access to all these different deals and our cash was begging us to put it to work. And we just kind of led from the front, started doing our own stuff, started publishing our own passive income to the world. And it just continued to kind of feed on itself where we got interested in new ideas, learned about new ideas, got exposed to new people. And the people just followed and and they shared what was working for them. And so for us, it's just helping people accomplish that bigger goal. I enjoy that what your approach or the community is not prescriptive in nature. It's just more outcome-based. So I really like that. Let's talk about your concept of an investor's DNA. What does that mean? Well, everybody has one, man. This is the key is that we are all built and created Mm -hmm. unique individual. And we have our own unique perspective as how we see the world. And there's lots of tools out there that we've tapped into to better understand ourselves Enneagram's a fancy one now, DISC, Colby, Culture Index, right? Predictive Index. These are all different types of personality assessments Mm -hmm. we've used to better understand how we work and a lot of times how we interact with people so that we can be more efficient and maybe be able to interact with people. And maybe if it's our job, we're trying to Mm -hmm. know the people we're interacting with so that way we can communicate better, help us with our jobs. But what we wanted to do is figure out how do we take the hundreds of potential different investment ideas that exist out there and narrow it down? Because a lot of people, they get stuck trying to figure out which one. They hear what you're doing, Andrew. They hear your guest. And everybody has a different path to becoming financially free. And it gets really confusing and somewhat discouraging to the person 
He's like, I just want one. I don't care which one, right. but how do I get so, there? I don't care. Yeah, yeah. How do I do it? And so yeah. we decided to come up with one that where we took that personality assessment mm-hmm. and then we took six of some of the top ways people were becoming financially free. And we said, okay, from your personality assessment, you're going to think these are all pros to each one of these. These are all cons to these. Here's the key factors to each one of those so that they could do one thing, narrow it down to two. And so we took the world of investing and narrow it down to two. Now, Again, are, is there holes in it? Of course there is. But for most people, they need to get one foot in front of the other, see one level of success, and then that gives them the freedom to go faster. I love that. So, you know, is, at a high level, is your process more or less, is it personality? Is it risk-based? Is it all the above? And then I love that, you know, this world can be very complicated and overwhelming with hundreds of different options and really paring it down. How do you go about doing that? What does the process look like? Yeah. So our personality is going to play into it, right? So, you know, I came out of the investment world for a while where everything was a risk assessment, right? Mm -hmm. Well, but really it's just the way that one person could come in, in the same exact company, same exact role, but see the world completely different, right? Well, what is that? It's just the way that we're made up. That's our DNA. So for somebody who's a driver analytical, right, they're going to want to look through the details of things and going to want to make sure it works. They want to see the benefits of it. Well, someone who comes in who's more just a social animal that really wants to see what's working and do it. Like, don't bog me down with all those details. Well, somebody would say, oh, well, the latter is more, you know, risk tolerant, right? The other may be more risk averse. Well, it's just the way they look at the world. To be honest, I see people doing things that some people may steam as risky, but yet they're falling into a, a realm of expertise that they have that they already are leaning on their past experience. Mm. Well, you have other people that are not, you know, present or past oriented. They're more future oriented. And so they're seeing opportunities and looking into the future, thinking, well, how do I scale this? Right. Like the way I see the world is more about businesses. I don't really do it individual investments. I find investments and in try to make them businesses. And I think about, okay, well, what's the scalability of this? How big can it be? What would be the exit of that down the road? Who would be the operators who would run it to make it work? How would we get into other channels to make it grow, to increase multiples? Those are things that my brain thinks of. Well, then I want to partner with people who are going to think and operate all those little areas that I'm going to miss, but they need me as much as I need them. So we start trying to look for those little key areas to help people And when they do that, then they can get aligned to investments. I'll give you an example. The first investment I ever made, passive income investment I ever made, was into a single family property down in my college town in Auburn, Alabama. And man, amazing property, like crushing cash flow. I was making about $94 a month. Like, you can't hear the sarcasm in my voice, right? Nice. Nice. And what, 10 months in, you know, Serpro bill wipes out the next two years worth of cash flow. And to me, that one property cost me 11 years and it cost me 11 years because I didn't invest in another passive income asset for 11 years after that first one. And it was because I was not aligned with single family homes. That was just not my DNA. It didn't excite me. I couldn't do anything to enhance its business. And so I should have went and bought a hundred. That may have excited me. Maybe that would have moved the needle. And we have lots of people in our masterminds who do that. But for me, it just was not interesting. So I didn't do much with it. But yet, I'll give you another example. We got into the short-term rental space. It was mm-hmm. exciting to me because it was cutting edge. It was something that was going against the grain. I'm a contrarian at heart. I love the concept that I can actually market it because we're not in a travel town. We're in a work-oriented, hospital-oriented town. We get a lot of travel ball, maybe. 
Well, I could promote that. There's people in my network that I could get that out to and grow it off of Airbnb and VRBO. Well, we went from zero units to almost 25 units in just a little over a year. So for me, that was something that was like, oh, I can get behind this. And so not only did I put a lot of effort and passion into it, but put a lot of cash into it. It makes a lot of sense. So speaking of contrarian views, you've got a position on debt. I'll call you the anti-Dave Ramsey, where you're thinking to be financially free, I don't need to be free of debt. Tell us about that. What's your position? Debt freedom doesn't equal financial freedom. Financial freedom is when your passive income is greater than your monthly expenses. Mm -hmm. You cannot pay off lifestyle, right? So my monthly expenses can never ever be zero, right? I'm going to have to pay for the electricity in the house that's paid off. I'm going to have to put gas in the car that's paid off. So really what we're talking about is my best path to financial freedom, reducing expenses as compared to producing passive income. And for some people, it is, right? Like this isn't one size fits all, right? If you have very little financial education, which is not person listening to this podcast because they're trying, they're doing things. It's the person who is not doing any of those things. They should maybe follow Dave Ramsey advice. If you're finding ways to create passive income streams, if I can't take a dollar and outperform what it costs me to Mm -hmm. buy a car, to buy a house, I'm not very good at what I do. And so for me, I can create a lot more passive income than reducing my limited monthly expenses by paying off debts that I have. So in essence, focus on the top line, grow that. Don't worry as much about bottom line expenses as long as you're covered. Well, Andrew, I won't tell you just uh, hard and fast that always focus on the top line because I actually worked for a company called Enterprise Rent-A-Car for a long time. And Mm -hmm. I learned to make a profit. You got to manage both top line and bottom line. But that's when you're running a business, which is what I do a lot of the businesses we run. So I I don't get so focused on like, hey, what's the interest rate on this house payment or or this specific thing? I'm going to look at if I'm running businesses, the biggest things I can impact a lot of time is payroll, right? Mm -hmm. So how am I managing our team in an efficient way? And I would look at incentives and other options. So there are ways to manage the bottom line. But I think sometimes too often is that that's all people know is like, oh, I could just cut my expenses but at some point, like Mike McCallist, author of Profit First, to say, if you keep cutting, eventually mm-hmm. you're going to start cutting into muscle. And I think that too often times people, in an effort to try to cut fat, start cutting muscle. Makes a lot of sense. It's all about the balance, right? Yeah. Man. Let's talk about 401ks. It's got to be one of the, if not the most popular, top two, top three investment vehicles for working professionals. What are your thoughts on the 401k as a vehicle for freedom? I mean, there's obviously limitations. We've talked a lot about on the show about this. What's your perspective there? Yeah, I think they may be the worst financial vehicle that was ever created. Ooh, that's bold. That's bold. Looking at the two of us, neither one of us are close to 59 and a half, unless you're doing an amazing job with your health, right? No, no, no. But most of the people who we talk to, who reach out to our company are in their 30s, 40s, and they're saying, I want to become financially free. I want to be able to have my wife be able to stay home with our kids during the summertime. I want to drop my kids off at the bus stop and pick them up every day. You know, I, I never want to miss another one of my kids' hockey tryouts. Mm-hmm. Well, that means you got to have freedom. You got to have passive income greater than monthly expenses. And the 401k is just another obstacle. It's not getting you any closer to financial freedom. So people go, but Russ, my company matches. They give me X percentage over and above what I put in. Some of them even put it in no matter what. And it's like, I would not put money into one because every dollar you're putting in there is in direct conflict with your goal 
of trying to become financially free. So if you can't turn it into passive income before 60, if your goal is to become financially free in the next two years, then that's a dollar you can't use to get you close to your goal. So to me, it's the worst financial tool that's been created for that purpose. I mean, I get it has its purpose, you know, again, as a recipient of corporate America for a couple of decades, got a sizable chunk in there. But I always talk to my friends, coworkers, acquaintances about bridging the gap, right? Like you talked about, if you've got a 15, 20, 25 year period between now and 59 and a half or 62, whatever your magic number is, your lifestyle will not change just based on the 401k. So it's okay if you're going to put anything in there, but it's not really getting you to, it's not giving you any passive income now. And it's not going to be, if you make it that long until in your sixties, right? So I love what you're saying. Let's talk about how you personally have scaled. You know, I think the your number was some a couple thousand dollars a month, over fifty thousand dollars a month in passive income. How did you do that in such a short period of time? You're a young man, healthy, thriving. Tell us about your strategy there. Man, by the way, flattery will get you everywhere with me, dude. Keep it coming, man. All right. No, so it's here, genuine. Here, it's genuine. I will say, I mean, I took a long, long way to get there. It's because I started out as an investment advisor and what I had to unlearn really cost me many, many, many years. I told you to invest in one deal cost me 11 years because I didn't understand what my investor DNA was. But then I, I learned a concept back in 2009 called the infinite banking concept. Are you familiar with that? I've heard of it. Yeah. Tell us more about it. Well, it's a, a long, long-winded story. So I'll, I'll be short to it. It's not the purpose of my story, but it was a tool that I used to stack a lot of cash. When I was looking for an alternative to the stock market, I was introduced to this guy named Nelson Nash at a conference down in Orlando, Florida, and he wrote this book called Becoming Your Own Banker. And the idea was just that the number one obstacle we all have to becoming financially free is lack of access to cash. And so he was showing how to stuff cash and he's dividend paying whole life policies to go invest from. Well, I was doing that really well. I was a great student. I was putting in large six figures in cash every single year into these insurance plans. I have over 26 whole life policies of myself, my family, business partners, former employees, all this stuff. Well, that cash then is what gave me the accelerant to be able to go and find opportunities. So podcasting, man, we started interviewing people on our podcast. I started finding out opportunities about land flipping, short-term rental, crypto mining, ATM machine, multifamily. And all of those things presented opportunities for me to get connected. Then we built out a passive income mastermind which then gave me access to people who were worth eight, nine, 10 figures. And when you get around people like that, where your goal behavior is their normal behavior, that's what makes things go fast. So yeah, we started publishing our passive income report, which for me was the thing that enhanced it. To be honest, I know you live near Philly. I went to a podcast movement conference that was up in Philadelphia. I got to meet John Lee Dumas, the EO Fire guy. Yeah. And Pat Flynn, the smart passive income guy. We were at a, a side event, got a chance to speak with them. I didn't know who they were before that. I was really impressed by who they were, what they had built. But then they were publishing at the time, both of them on their websites, their passive income report, which is a little bit different than us, right? They're not necessarily investing in deals. They're showing affiliate revenue. But that I went back and I said, Joe, we need to start doing that. And the old saying is what you track grows, but what you track and report on grows exponentially. And once we started reporting on it, when we put our first report, I think we posted 3,500 a month. And the last month that we reported on it was over 65,000 a month. Wow. Wow. So, so if you had to leave listeners with one tip as to what's really going to move the needle for you, obviously, aside from accumulating seven, eight figures of investment capital, what would you leave us with? What would be your one tip? Your why has to be greater than your why not. If you reach out to our company and you say, hey, I want to figure out what you guys are doing, how do I tap in? 
we're going to give you 15 minutes to try to convince us that your why is greater than your why not. Otherwise, we're going to tell you to kick rocks. It won't be that harsh. But to be honest, like if I don't believe it, if our team doesn't believe what you want is so great that it doesn't make our hair on our, our arms stand up, then we're going to send you back to the bullpen to figure it out. I mean, when somebody has that, when they have, doesn't mean you have to have everything figured out because that's the first step in our process is helping people have strategy and clarity. And we have a process that we take people through that's been pretty effective. You got to at least have the why. I can't give you the why. I can show you the path. I can show you how people are doing it. But you have to come to the table with the why. And that's the thing I would tell you is it figure out what the why is, the thing that's going to prevent you from stopping regardless of how many obstacles you run into on the way. I love that. I love that. Ross, this has been an awesome conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. How do we get in touch with you following the show? Yeah, go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash crushing cash flow and you'll get access to our team and everything else. Love it. Thanks so much for joining, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cash Flow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.